Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, and today we're joined by Eric Ryan, who is the Senior Director of Military Operations at the University of Phoenix, where he manages all functions of the Office of Military and Veteran Affairs, including engagement, outreach, ops, training, amongst other things for military-affiliated students and staff. And so, Clearance jobs, we're all about surveys. So we conduct the Security Clearance Comp Survey to produce a big kahuna of reports, including geolocated compensation white papers for different regions throughout the year. We also conduct the cleared recruiting survey since hiring in this industry is so niche. And we also conduct a facility security officer survey to help out our security folks. So today, that's kind of what we're focusing on on this episode. So the University of Phoenix has a couple of different reports that we're going to discuss today and some of those metrics. So they have the 2023 Military Transition Survey. So we're going to discuss that. And they also have a Veteran Workforce Toolkit that we're going to touch on and the 2023 Career Optimism Index. So before we get started, Eric, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Excellent. And so, you know, I'm a human interest person. And so I know that you spent some time in the Marine Corps before going into higher ed. So I would love to hear a little bit about that story and just whatever you're willing to share. Yeah, absolutely. My time in the Marine Corps is it feels like a lifetime ago. It was 2000 to 2005 is when I served as a helicopter crew chief with uh, Squadron HMM-162 on the East Coast. And uh, my story on how I got into the Marine Corps, I always think is kind of interesting because I sort of uh, always wanted to serve secretly, but didn't talk a whole lot about it because I wasn't sure if I could do it. I was working catering in the Salt Lick barbecue restaurant in Austin, Texas. Late one night we were doing, we were cleaning up and one of my friends there talked about uh, joining the Marine Corps constantly. And when he finally was talking about it for the last time, I said, look, man, why don't you just join? What's holding you back. Why don't you just do it? He said, you know, and honestly, man, I'm scared to do it by myself. I had a friend who was going to go and then he backed out. I'm just really afraid to do it by myself. And out of nowhere, I said, I'll go with you. And it wasn't something that was really part of my plan at the moment. But for whatever reason, uh, that secret desire just grabbed me in that moment. And I went for two weeks, talked to the recruiter and dug in and tried to, you know, get as much information as I could. And uh, finally, two weeks later, I joined up and and then he ended up not going. So I ended up going on my own. But it, I always think it's kind of an interesting story, you know, how we end up in the military. Right. Well, and, you know, sometimes you find bravery amongst friends and that can change your path a bit. And so I guess, do you think but prior to joining, it was a little bit of the unknown that was the biggest fear and having those talks with recruiters, you're like, okay, I can do this. Absolutely. The fear of the unknown and pushing yourself beyond what your current limits are is just always a big challenge. And we continue to face those challenges throughout our entire life. You know, I felt the same challenge when I left the military and when I started a, a corporate job and when I went back to school and earned my bachelor's degree. And before joining school again to earn my master's degree, 
you know, every single big milestone in my life, I face that fear of the unknown again and again and again. I feel like we get a little better at it as we get older and gain a little bit more experience. Yeah, I would agree. It can span across industries. I mean, especially as you're seeking new careers or as you're going through the military transition. So before we discuss the 2023 military transition survey, let's talk about some obstacles that you may have faced as you left the military. Oh my goodness. So the obstacles when you leave the military, and I don't think I'm alone in this, are mostly in your head. They're how you feel and all of the things that you've developed within the military, you know, how well is that going to fit into the civilian workspace? I know that when I left the military, it was jarring. It was just a really challenging time in my life because in the Marine Corps, I had developed so much confidence in myself and so much technical competence in what I did on a day-to-day basis. And I had that meaning and purpose. I knew exactly what it meant to do what I do every single day in the Marine Corps. It's really easy. You know what it means to serve your country. And when I go out and I, I'm turning wrenches on a helicopter, I'm testing an aircraft, I'm flying a mission in Iraq, I know exactly what my purpose in life is and what I'm supposed to do, how I contribute to the greater good. As you transition out of the military, a lot of that falls away and you have to kind of find all of that again. And in the civilian workforce, I'm not saying it's less than in the military, but it's different. You know, a lot of that suddenly becomes much more intrinsic. And you kind of have that uh, that feeling of, man, did I do the most important thing that I'm ever going to do in my life already? And, you know, here I am 25, and that's a tough thing to face, you know, being so young and feeling like, am I ever going to do something this important again? How do I find something that is important and feels good to do again? How hard will it be for me to gain the skills again to be as competent as I was in the military, you know, out in the civilian workforce? And it, it's a really, really challenging time from a mental health standpoint. Right. As you were probably entering the military, you were going through this sort of metamorphosis and then you have to start all over again. But folks, there's no time like the present to face those fears and do something great and make something great happen. So let's discuss the 2023 military transition survey. So the survey explored perceptions toward transitioning from the military to the civilian workforce and the acquired skills you need, barriers and resources and the role of continued education, all very important things. Things. And so the University of Phoenix activated this survey as a part of a larger initiative with the nonprofit Given Hour and other organizations to develop a veteran workplace toolkit, which we'll get into. What thoughts are you able to glean from the survey, especially being a veteran, and what career optimism may mean for this population? You know, this year's survey was so interesting. And what I find most fascinating about it, you know, I left the military almost 20 years ago. And it doesn't seem that the transition out of the military feels very different for veterans today than it did for me, you know, back in 2005. One of the things that really stood out to me were, were the numbers on the feelings that active military members expressed about their transition out of the military uh, versus non-active. You know, once they had already transitioned and they were a veteran, how they felt, you know, about their transition into the civilian workforce. 52%, you know, reported feeling hopeful, you know, before they left the military. And I remember feeling that. It was exactly the same way for me. I figured I'll come out of the Marine Corps. You know, I'm, I was a United States Marine. I'm a combat veteran. I was a helicopter crew chief. There were times where I was leading up to 40 Marines and conducting maintenance on the 12 aircraft that we worked on. As a young guy, I didn't know a whole lot of my peers that I graduated high school with who had that level of responsibility. 
So I figured I'm going to come out. I'm going to be a millionaire in a week or two. You know, maybe go to college and we'll you know see what they know and figure it out from there. And so I felt really hopeful coming out. What we find is that that drops to 23% still feel hopeful after leaving the military. That's definitely what I experienced. It's really, really common. You know, anxiety, feelings of anxiety, about 42% report feeling that prior to uh, leaving the military. That's up to 52% after they leave. And that loss of identity we talked about before, 24% are concerned about a loss of identity leaving the military. 35% report feeling it after they've left. So I think that there's definitely data here that speaks to a challenging transition and the feelings of, of that loss of meaning and purpose, that loss of the confidence that you had when you were in the military. When that stands out to me, that says to me that things haven't changed a whole lot for military veterans. And there's a huge opportunity for us to, as a civilian workforce, to try to create spaces that make good sense for military service members. Nearly half of veterans out there you know, say that they feel underemployed or working below their current skill level. And I remember feeling that way myself. So that creates a lot of opportunity for employers to create an inviting space. Sure. And, you know, I think it takes everyone to support this issue. So we're obviously speaking toward employers today and you say they need to, you know, create spaces to become military friendly or help veterans as they embark on new civilian careers. But I'd love to pull the thread at what some of this data can actually speak to transition assistance programs. I'm not sure how much they've changed since you left the military, but I feel like a lot of this data speaks to big changes sort of need to happen. And I know one thing that we've discussed on the podcast previously is that they are very generalized programs and there aren't a lot of specifics depending on what the transitioning service member wants to do what very specific to them obstacles they may face. So what are your thoughts on that, on how this data can speak to sort of bigger changes within TAP programs? I think there's definitely opportunity there. And this may be a little bit controversial, but I'm going to put a little bit more onus on the veteran themselves. And that's really based on my own personal experience. I think that the TAPS programs 20 years ago when I got out were pretty great. I mean, there were lots of resources and lots of things put in front of me I just wasn't in the right headspace to consume that and accept that information. And so it made the transition a little harder on myself. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't awesome room for improvement and a deeper connection between the civilian workforce and the military. But the military is doing some pretty amazing things right now to try to prepare their service members as they get out. There are tuition assistance programs. The GI Bill is a robust and incredible program for people to go back to school. There's skill bridge programs for transition, tons and tons of opportunity. And I remember having lots of those opportunities put in front of me before I transitioned. So it may be controversial, like I said, but uh, as military service members getting out, we have to take some ownership and say, what is it that I want out of this? What do I want the outcome to be? And what do I need to do to work to get there? And we all learned how to do that in the military. I would stake my name on the fact that you're not going to find too many people better than military veterans who can perform under pressure, have leadership and problem-solving skills, can adapt to a rapidly changing environment. And in the military transition survey, these were some of the skill sets that they even highlighted themselves, saying, we believe we're good at this. And I believe them. I take them at their word when they say so, because I felt the same way. But we have to take ownership over that. Creating an inviting space after the transition is something that employers can do, but the military members themselves, I think, can take advantage of a lot of these different programs and build a little bit more of a plan. If somebody wanted to help, if the military or the employer or anyone out there wanted to help mentoring military members a little bit, 
and taking them under their wing and saying, this is what it's going to feel like when you transition out. But the sky is not falling. There are so many opportunities out there for you if you'll take advantage of them. You know, thanks for that perspective. I think that's definitely insightful. And a lot of the times service members aren't in the headspace to accept some of those resources and information. And I think it all starts with questions that whoever's transitioning needs to ask themselves what's important to them. And so let's talk about this Veteran Workforce Toolkit. It offers a roadmap for organizations to improve their culture and support veterans. And I think that's really important in sort of the bigger conversation that we're speaking to and creating spaces where former military can feel comfortable in their new civilian life. So Tell us a little bit more about this and how it's used. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to talk about this because I had the opportunity uh, to be an advisory board member in the creation of this toolkit. So it's something that I really believe in and I had a hand in helping to craft. If anyone is interested and wants to find it, it's givenhour.org slash veteran workforce. The toolkit, essentially what Given Hour has done is they've tried to develop uh, a toolkit that is targeted at leaders within companies, at HR leaders within the employers, maybe their benefits area or their HR and talent acquisition areas. And what they're trying to do here is to offer just a few tools that give a little bit of guidance on how to do some of this, on how to create that inviting workspace. Some of the things that they could expect are a little help on deciphering military experience, help evaluating what currently is being offered within the organization and maybe some opportunities to improve. You know, what do you have already and what's working? And if things aren't working, why aren't they working? Creating a culture that supports veterans. That's something that takes effort and focus within an organization. We've seen it done really well, you know, in some different places and tailoring HR practices to veteran needs. And then, you know, the most important part is they do offer some help on implementation with all of this. That's probably one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, there's a lot of ideas out there about how to create an inviting space. Thinking through the building and implementation of it is a really critical piece. It can be really challenging and make it hard to take that step. Well, sure. And Within our industry, specifically the national security or defense contracting space, I feel like with some of these workplace issues, for larger businesses, it's a little bit easier. They may have the bandwidth to hire people to implement some of this stuff. But for the smaller entities, which is what I supported when I was in industry, it's really difficult to kind of look at this stuff and be like, okay, we can get boots on the ground doing this. But knowing that that implementation help is there is just fantastic. Absolutely. Organizations of any kind can probably find a use for this. And there's sort of different levels of assistance that are being offered through this program. I would even submit to you that larger organizations sometimes can really benefit just from getting a little help on how to organize it. Because the larger the organization gets, it starts to feel you know, a little bit like moving an iceberg, you know, in uh, changing direction in something that's a little bit more cumbersome to change direction on. And this offers some really tangible learning opportunities and steps that people can implement within their larger organizations. So I really think organizations of any size can probably benefit from this. Sure. And I love Given Hour and just the whole mental health support 
aspect, which is something on the security clearance world side, different agencies are really trying to be a proponent of and, and seeking out mental help. And all of the supporters, I'm just checking out the website right now as we speak, looking at the Veteran Workforce Toolkit in, in the press and seeing all the great coverage that it's had. Moving on to the 2023 Career Optimism Index. So <laughs> workforce management, I just feel like it's such a challenge across every industry in our country. And so, you know, in the last year, despite the challenges, I know that the index found that 80% of Americans remain hopeful about the future of their careers. But again, with recruiting, hiring, and especially in the national security industry, it's a free agent labor market right now. The workforce is willing to pursue alternative job opportunities unless employers invest in things that are important to them. And so let's dive into the data and really what it could mean from a recruiting and retention perspective. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head with 80% of workers report feeling optimistic about the future of their careers. The important subnote here is that it's their own sense of personal efficacy that they're basing that on, that optimism on. It isn't a belief that their employer is going to do what it takes to support their career growth. And I think that's where that free agency mindset is coming from. And it can be really, really challenging as an employer out there to be facing a potentially 74% turnover rate. I mean, that's huge and really, really costly for an organization. So focusing on you know, how do we retain our best talent is something that I think every large organization out there is, is top of mind at the moment. 65% of Americans uh, are living paycheck to paycheck right now. So it's incredible to me, you know, in that environment to think that they would be so willing to move on to uh, another form of work. But so many of them out there are saying if they got three months severance, they'd leave now. And so that's pretty incredible. Nearly half say that they would leave their current employer if they were offered three months severance. 47% of them, I think, are experiencing burnout at this point. That's how many are reporting it currently. 53% are currently looking for other work. There's an uphill battle right now that employers are facing with retaining their best talent. Well, and so folks who are listening, especially our recruiters and hiring managers listening, they can download the complete index at phoenix.edu slash career institute. And I encourage everyone to do so. But in terms of this retention issue, I mean, hearing that folks would leave with three months severance, I mean, come on, retention is a really big problem. So what can employers do to sort of combat this? So the other side of it, it's not all bad news, because the other side of the optimism index here is talking about what to do. What is it that employers are looking for to change their outlook and feel more supported by their employers? 68% of them say if companies did more to upskill them, they would be more likely to stay. So that's a big number. And I think upskilling is something that lots of organizations are looking for opportunities to do. So it's finding the way to meet the employees where they're at and help fill that gap for them is probably a big chunk of the solution here. Right. And I feel like sometimes employers, again, especially from a small business, they may not be as inclined to invest in upskilling because they're like, what if these people leave me? But that is really important to individuals, upward mobility within their career. And employers should invest in that, especially since we've seen a rise in boomerang employees for those employers that have treated you well previously. 
I love all this. And I love that University of Phoenix has so many resources surrounding these topics. So Eric, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I did want to give you space if you had any closing thoughts for our listeners. Absolutely. I appreciate that. There's a few things here that I, I want to end with some positive notes here. There, I think there's a few things in the optimism index that employees have pointed out for us that give us a little bit of a roadmap on how to solve this. At the end of the day, I don't want to feel as an employee like I'm a disposable tool, you know, to be used and tossed aside by my employer. I want to feel supported and like a valuable member of the team. I think there's three key things that they've highlighted for us. They've told us if you'll help us with these three things, we're more likely to stick around. That's mentorship, skill or professional development, you know, upskilling and uh, workplace wellness. I think this plays directly into the military uh, transition survey and the work that Given Hour is doing with the Veteran Workforce Toolkit. Having somebody who will be an advocate for us at work and mentor us and take us under under their wing means the world to us. Knowing that we can get skilling and good professional development at work makes us feel like we're growing and we're an important member of the team. And then workplace wellness or just simple mental health wellness is something that if our employers focused on it, we'd be more likely to be able to focus on it ourselves. So I think there's good news here. And I hope everyone will take a look at the Career Optimism Index and gain as much insight from it as I did. That's wonderful. Eric, again, I really appreciate you joining the podcast today to tell us a little bit about your different story and joining the Marine Corps and all of this important work that the University of Phoenix and Given Hour is doing. So listeners, for more on the military transition and other veteran career advice, you can always visit news.parentsjobs.com. This podcast is brought to you by Bruce Allen. Their experts use tomorrow's innovative technologies to accelerate today's most critical missions across the Department of Defense. On their team, you'll apply your talents, share your unique perspectives, and advance your career. Ready to make a lasting impact? Explore global defense careers at boozallen.com slash defense careers.